Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day that you have given us. Thank you for your extravagant love poured upon us in every moment. Thank you, Lord, that you are real, that you are alive in our lives, and that we know you. We just pray this morning as we once again come to your word that you will speak to us and that our hearts will humbly bow before your word as we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we have been looking into the Word of God regarding the Word of His power and the power of His Word and seeing how in all many stories in the Bible the effect of the words that people speak and the effect of God's Word on people's lives and for the purpose so that we would learn more about how our words matter our words do matter, and how they affect our whole living. They affect tomorrow. They affect our future. Where we want to get to is tremendously affected by the words that are coming out of my mouth today. And so we can learn, can't we? Because we've all come from different family settings in our childhood that we've learned a certain way of speaking. And that's hard to, that's hard, very hard to relearn. Um, we've been told things as children, whether they were true or, or, or they weren't true, sometimes negative messages that we can actually start to agree with. And if we start to agree with those negative things, we are setting the table for our future tomorrow. And that's not where we want to be tomorrow. And so we have to be so careful because that's ingrained in us. And that takes a real fight, doesn't it, to fight against all of those negative messages that have been implanted along the line. And if it hasn't been from our home life, home home was good, a lot of positive messages, then sometimes it's happened in school where classmates or a teacher has said things that have been negative and have impacted us. Those things, when we're especially as young people, as children, they we're, we're vulnerable, and and those things go deep into us. And so again, there's a place where we have to make sure we're not lining up and agreeing with with those negative things that we're saying no, that's not the truth about me. The truth about me, and we have to go to God's word and find out what is the truth about me, and we have to replace it with the truth of God's word. And that doesn't just happen. That takes effort. That takes diligence on our part. And so we must engage. That's why God's word is so valuable. It's not an archaic book that has no value in our life. This is why we must engage in it and say, okay, what is the truth about my life? What, how should I be speaking? How should I be talking? What is God's truth in this situation? And as we do that, of course we can relearn. Even in the natural realm, people, the, the you know, the psychology world and everything and, and every place that, you know, we, we can train, we can modify, we can modify our behavior. We can learn to do things differently, but it takes effort. It doesn't just happen. And so it has to be a willful, willful choice. And we know that that's true because we come to this over and over again in God's word. God is always able to do whatever, every, anything, right? There's nothing impossible for God. But it also takes, it takes the two sides. God on the one hand has all power 
nothing impossible for him. But it also takes our willingness to believe in him, number one, and then secondly, to do our part, to cooperate, to do what it is uh, that we need to do to get to the next step in line. And so it's a process, isn't it? It's a process. And that's why it's okay to stop long long and hard and look at the different different aspects of this because we don't learn this in a day. We don't learn this in 45 minutes in Sunday school on Sunday morning. I wish I wish it was that easy. This takes really over and over and 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 really contemplating on it, working on it and saying, "Lord, help me." So, we had been last time looking at Elijah's life and today, I just I uh, would just like to touch just for a couple of minutes on the story of Hezekiah. Isaiah was the prophet who lived during Hezekiah's time. Hezekiah is an interesting, interesting story. Well, a couple of things. I believe it was during Hezekiah's time that when they went to battle, um, he was told to put the praisers out front, and there was another king that had to do that too. That that happened a number of times, and. Oh uh, yeah, the, pray- the the worshipers were right, went out front, <laughs> but there was a reason for that, and I mean that's an apt picture, isn't it? The worshipers are on the front line. Okay, let's say the truth. That's the truth. They're on the front line, absolutely. And it was the praises as they began to sing and praise the Lord that the victory was won, and that's that's something that we need to learn in our lives too, that. You know, there's things that come against us, there's troubles that come, there's situations, there's temptations, and many times if we'll just start to engage in in worship and in true worship of the Lord, the victory is won. There's there comes there comes victory into our into our spirit man. And so it's a weapon, it's a weapon for sure that God has given us to praise and worship the Lord. And we have to remember to use it because we have a choice. We could sit down and grumble and complain and say, oh me, oh my, oh my goodness, I don't think I'll ever get past this. I don't know what I'm going to do. And we can run around and talk to a hundred people and get a hundred different opinions. And we'll be in the same place that we were when we started out. Or we can take it to the Lord and to his word. Find out what his word says about it and start praising him and thanking him. Lord, I, I thank you. There's no surprises to you. You knew I was going to be in this situation. You foresaw that this was going to happen. And so I trust in you and I praise you. I thank you. You're a good God. We can't always praise him and thank him for the situation. We don't like it. <laughs> it's maybe not a good situation, but we can always praise and thank him because of who he is and what he's done in our lives. And so we must get that into our, the warp and woof, as they say, of our being. (laughs) I love the expression on your faces when I say stuff like that. So we want it to be a part of our existence, woven in there, real, real good and tight, so that, again, we are able to go forward. That's the only way to go forward in our lives. So many people are stuck, and this is the reason they're stuck, is because of all the negative confessions and all of the stuff from the past that's going on and on and on in their lives. And they're setting the table for tomorrow in their life with all of that negativity. And so 
we can learn, right? We can learn to do things differently. Okay, so anyway, the point I wanted to get to in Hezekiah's life was where he became ill. He had a terrible boil and it was poisonous. God sent a prophet to him and said, set your house in order, you're going to die. Wow. That's not really the prophetic word that we want to hear, is it? <laughs> so um, he, the prophet said to him, um, set your house in order, you're going to die. And um, Hezekiah turned to the wall, and it says he chattered like a crane, and cried out to the Lord and said, spare my life, spare my life, spare my life. Hezekiah had been a good king up to that point and had served the Lord and set some things in order, had had a Passover, had made the people celebrate Passover, even though it wasn't even the right time of year. And he had um, set up the altar and the worship of God. So at this time of great need, and as he as he prayed, God said, okay, I hear your prayer. And he told the prophet, go back and tell him, I've heard his prayer and he's not going to die. As a sign that this is going to be true, the sundial is going to go back 20 degrees. And so that happened, and his life was spared. Now, it's interesting because he lived 15 more years. But in those 15 more years, he allowed the enemy to come in and see all the gold and silver that was in the temple, which cost them dearly. Manasseh was born, who was probably one of the probably the worst king uh, of Israel that ever existed. He reigned for 55 years and was wicked, 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 wicked as the day is long. A lot of children killed, a lot of, you know, immorality in the, in the idol worship and Baal worships and stuff. Manasseh, uh, it, could, it, it could be, um, it was just a really, really dark time in the history of Israel. So we see there, what do we see there? I mean, we see there that, yes, his life was spared, but the fruit of those 15 years wasn't all that great. And again, I've said this to you, sometimes we can pray, we can pray, 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 pray our way and our wish and our want and get our way. The Psalm says that the Lord gave them their desire but he sent leanness into their soul. And the result of getting our way and God allowing us to have our way, which again, we can, we can, we can sometimes kind of force God's hand and say, no, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what your word says. I must have it. I must have, I must have it. And don't misunderstand me here. There is a place for that. When, when God speaks to us and gives us a word to stand on, we are to claim it and we are to speak God's word. But, but we always have to be subjective to your will, not my will be done. And never forget that piece. So we see the consequences there, and they weren't that great. So you can say, yes, okay, he had, he got, he had God spared his life, he had 15 more years, but wow, look at, look at what happened. And, and the enemies came back and took all of that gold and all of that stuff, all the preciousness out of the temple that Hezekiah had showed them. It was all stolen. It was all taken and, you know, in, in battle and, and stuff. And so not a lot of good came out of that. So anyway, be that as it may, it just shows us that, again, we have to be careful what we ask for and always allow God to be God because he does know best. And if we believe that, then we'll walk in that and we'll live that. 
But today I wanted us to look at the story of Esther. And so you can turn there if you'd like to. Esther comes after Nehemiah. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms. So that gives you a point of reference where you're going in your Bible. Esther, we're going to look at the whole story kind of and just uh, see how it was very important that she speak up at the right time. And this is another thing that we have to learn. There's a time to be silent, and there's a time to speak. And we need to know the difference. And it's very important. And again, it affects a lot of things in our lives. And so here we see um, that there's this king, Ahasuerus, and he reigned over 120 provinces from India to Ethiopia, a huge kingdom. And in those days, when he sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, in the third year of his reign, he made a feast for all his officials and servants and powers of Persia, Media, the nobles, and the princes and provinces being before him. And he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the splendor of his excellent majesty for many days, 180 days in all. Wow, now you think I celebrate. That was, that was top, top celebration. Esther chapter 1, verse 4. 180 days <laughs> of celebration. Now, we have to understand something here. This was godless, okay? This was more like a endless orgy and drinking and all kind of perversion. So this was not good. And when these days were completed, the king made a feast lasting seven days, seven more days, <laughs> for all the people who were present in Shushan, the, the citadel, from great to small in the court and the garden of the king's palace. And there were white and blue linen curtains fastened with cords of fine linen, purple on silver rods, marble pillars, and the couches were of gold. You, you get the idea. It was extravagant. And silver on a mosaic government of alabaster, turquoise, and white, black marble, and they served drinks in golden vessels, each vessel being different from the other, with royal wine in abundance, according to the generosity of the king. In accordance with the law, the drinking was not compulsory, for so the king had ordered all the officers of his household that they should do according to each man's pleasure. And Queen Vashti also made a feast for the women in the royal palace, which belonged to King Ahasuerus. And on the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, kind of like your church festival, <laughs> he commanded Mahuman, Bizitha, Harbona, Bertha, whatever, all these guys, seven eunuchs who served in the presence of the king Ahasuerus to bring Queen Vashti before the king, wearing her royal crown and order to show her beauty to the people and the officials, for she was beautiful to behold. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command brought by his eunuchs. Therefore the king was furious, and his anger burned within him. Then the king said to the wise men who understood the times, for this was the king's manner toward all who knew injustice, those closest to him being all these guys here, that what shall we do to Queen Vashti according to the law? Because she did not obey the commands of the king, Ahasuerus brought to her by the eunuchs. And they answered before the king and said, Queen Vashti has not only wronged the king, but also all the princes and all the people who are in the provinces of King Ahasuerus. For the queen's, queen's behavior will become known to all women so that they will despise their husbands in their eyes when they report King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought in before him, but she did not come. 
This very day, the noble ladies of Persian media will say to all the king's officials that they have heard of the behavior of the queen and that there will be excessive contempt and wrath. So if it pleases the king, let a royal decree go out from him and let it be recorded in the laws of the Persians and the Medes so that it will not be altered. You have to remember this is one of those things. that When it was written, the law of the Medes and Persians. You ever heard that expression? The law of the Medes and Persians. It was forever. <laughs> so let it be written. So let it be done. It was forever. Unless they wrote another law that <laughs> on top of it forever. Shall come no more before King Ahasuerus and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. So, there you have it. That's the setting, right? King, of course, a lot of immorality and so on and so forth. He calls for the queen to come. We don't really know why she said no. Maybe because she just didn't want to be paraded like a piece of property in front of all of his, whatever, his uh, eunuchs and all his his drunken but drinking buddies. Um, maybe she had good reason not to come. Some people say she had good reason not to come. She's good for her. Others say, well, she was disobedient and whatever she got, she was no longer queen. You know, in those days, of course, women didn't have the freedom like we have today in our country. Uh, there's still women like that, and they were considered property. And if the king said, "Come, you you came," I mean, you could really be killed. For, for saying no to the king. So anyway, she was not going to put herself there, and she gets deposed. So she's she's no longer queen. Now they say to the king, you need, of course, he needs another another queen, right? I mean, he has probably hundreds of concubines and, and women all around him. So, I mean, but he needs a queen. But in this story, we, we it, it, in this time, of course, the Israelites were captive uh, in captivity, and there are some Jews in in this in in this town in this city. And uh, there's Mordecai, and there's his nie- niece Esther. They send out the proclamation that there's going to be a beauty contest, and that the king is looking for a new queen. So <laughs> Mordecai says to Esther. You need to go and, and, and go there. Now, you know, again, you can kind of question that and you can kind of say, what is a godly Jewish girl going to do, be in that pageant to be the a queen for such a, a vile man? But apparently this was God's plan, wasn't it? God raised her up, as we read in the story, for such a time as this. And Mordecai had faith. And he trusted in the living God. We see that as the story progresses, that he truly, he truly was a man of prayer, and he had, he still had faith in the living God, and he had trained her up accordingly like that. And so, you know, the story, she goes and she's for like a month, uh, for a year, they're putting ointment on their skins and, and what, all kinds of, you know, mud bath and milk bath and whatever, whatever they were doing. I mean, a whole year, just, just before the king would even look at them, okay? And then, uh, yeah, it's really, <laughs> yeah, really something. And uh, then they were all supposed to go and appear before him. Now, it wasn't like we you know, kind of think of a beauty pageant where, you know, they all line up and you, and you pick one out. It was more, um, they, they went and they got to spend the night with the king and whoever he liked the best, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't good. 
But anyway, <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> so Queen Esther is picked, and she's got her own palace. She's got servants. She's now in this position of power and uh, influence, and she's living a good life. You know, she's got people waiting on her hand and foot and her meals being prepared for her and, and, and everything like that. And then there's also this guy in the kingdom, Haman, right? Remember Haman? And he had it in for the Jews and he's about, he, 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 he figures out a scheme to try and get rid of all the Jews. He hates it that they're in their city and, and then there's this guy Mordecai who doesn't bow to him because he says he believes in God and it just gets under his skin. And the story, you know, it, it, it's, it's amazing how this story uh, comes together. And we see how just when Haman thinks he's got the Jews done in, you know, whoops, <laughs> here comes Mordecai. And the king says, I want to honor somebody. He, he had a restless night and he, somebody read to him from the book, from the books that there was a guy who had, saved the king's life, and now he wants to bless him. And here, oops, it's Mordecai. And so Haman has to take him through the streets and say, this is the man who the king wants to honor and, and put the king's robe on him and his, and his ring on his finger and everything. And so just about this time now, Mordecai, Mordecai has been praying. And he's heard about Haman's plan to, to destroy the Jews. And Mordecai has written it out, and he signed it and sealed it with the king's ring. The king has not a clue. You know, the king just like said, well, do whatever, whatever you want to do. Haman had said, oh, there's these people and they're troublesome and I want to get rid of them for you. And the king had said, yeah, fine, whatever, go ahead. He, you know, no, yeah, not, not, not even paying attention to, to what he was really doing. So Mordecai understands what's going on here. And he realizes that if this thing goes through, all the Jews in the whole city are going to be destroyed. And probably Esther's life won't be spared either if they find out that she's Jewish. And so he sends a message to, first of all, he, he tears his clothes in grief, of course. Grief, that was what they did. He tore his clothes in grief, and he was out by the gate. And, of course, when you were with, near the king's palace, you weren't supposed to be in mourning. You, you weren't supposed to come close to the palace. But here he is outside the palace, and his clothes torn, dirt on his head, and he's in distress. So Esther sends some of her servant girls to him and says, find out what's wrong. Tell him, you know, stop that. <laughs> and so they tell her, Mordecai says to them, you go back and you tell Esther what's going on. And he explained to them and he said, you tell her, don't think that, um, that you're going to be spared. You need to go and talk to the king. You need to do something here. And she was like, you don't understand. I can't, nobody, nobody could dare just to go into the king. That was curtains for you. Head off. Okay? You don't just walk into the, to the king's throne room. That's not happening. Unless you just don't want to live. So, she says, you go tell Mordecai. I can't do that. The king hasn't called for me in, in, in however long it was. It was a really long time. And I, I can't just go charging in there and tell him what to do. Hello? <laughs> Mordecai sends word back and he says, You listen to me, Esther. If you don't do this, I don't know how deliverance is going to come, but God will deliver us some way, one way or another. But who knows if you weren't raised up 
for such a time as this. And so now she sends a message back. She says, okay, you pray and fast for a couple days, and I'll do the same with my maidens, and then I'll go in. Wow, this took a lot of courage, okay? And she had to speak up. And this is a lesson for us to learn, that there is a time sometimes when we have to speak up. And we have to say what God has put on our heart to say. Not always easy to do, but we have to do it nonetheless. And this is just as important. You know, we like the part about claiming the promises and speaking God's truth over our lives. But this is the harder parts. The bitter parts, that's right. Where we have to speak the truth in love and speak the truth and speak the truth. And so she's... She's, she prays, she fasts for, now this was with purpose, remember? We talked about fasting and some people interpreted that to mean that I don't believe we should ever fast. That's not true. She got, she was instructed to fast here. She had a purpose. She had a purpose to her fasting. And when the Holy Spirit instructs us to fast, it's with purpose. What I, what I don't agree with is people deciding that they're going to go on 40 day fasts all by themselves. No spirit of God ever told them to do that. They're just trying to bring glory to themselves and show the world how wonderful they are. That I don't agree with <laughs> at all. And, uh, that's, that's foolish. And, uh, but, but this was by the leading of the spirit. This was a, there was a purpose in this. And perhaps without this fasting and prayer, she would have been killed going into the king. Because prayer and fasting, there are victories that are won through prayer and fasting that are not won any other way. Okay, we understand that. I just want to make that real clear. So anyways, they Mordecai prays and fasts, she prays and fasts, and then she says to her girls, okay, come on, dress me up. (laughs) Help me out here, girlfriends. And she gets all beautified, as best she can, gets all, you know, dolled up. Now I'm going to read this, I got to read this to you from the Septuagint, which is the um, the Hebrew version of translation of the Bible. In our New King James, in our King James Version, they've, it's an edited, it's an edited version of Esther that leaves out all the words, all the references to God, it, it, it leaves out some cool stuff. So anyway, I'm going to read to you from Septuagint in chapter 5. So it came to pass on the third day when she had ceased praying that she put off her mean dress, that means, you know, her her fasting, her sackcloth and ashes, and put on her glorious apparel. And being splendidly arrayed and having called upon God, the overseer and preserver of all things, She took her two maids, and she leaned upon one as a delicate female, and the other followed, bearing her train. And she was blooming in the perfection of her beauty, and her face was cheerful, and it was as if benevolent, and her heart was terrified. (laughs) So she put on a happy face. Mm -hmm. And having passed through all the doors, now this was scary stuff, she could be killed. She stood before the king, and he was sitting upon his royal throne. And he had put on all his glorious apparel, covered all over with gold and precious stones, and was very terrible, or we would say awesome in in our, our words. 
And having raised his face resplendent with glory, he looked with intense anger. Someone was coming in. He hadn't, and he didn't know that there was anybody coming in. No one was supposed to be coming in. Who was this coming in uninvited? And the queen fell and changed in her color as she fainted. And she bowed herself upon the head of the maid that went before her. But God changed the spirit of the king to gentleness and an intense feeling He sprang from off his throne and took her into his arms until she recovered. And he comforted her with peaceable words and said to her, What is the matter, Esther? I am thy brother. Be of good cheer. Thou shalt not die. For our command is openly declared to thee. Draw nigh. And having raised the golden scepter, he laid it upon her neck and embraced her and said, Speak to me. And she said to him, I saw thee, my Lord, as an angel of God. My heart was troubled for fear of thy glory. For thou, my Lord, art to be wondered at, and thy face is full of grace. And while she was speaking, she fainted again and fell. (laughs) Now our Bible doesn't tell us that. And then the king was troubled, and all his servants comforted her. And the king said, What wilt thou, Esther? And what is thy request? Now he understands. Okay, nobody, first of all, takes their life in their hands for nothing. Okay, there's, there's something going on here. What is thy request? Ask even to the half of my kingdom and it shall be thine. And Esther said, then she goes on and she invites him to uh, eat with her. She doesn't, again, she, she walks in some real wisdom here, doesn't she? She doesn't just blurt it all out. First of all, she's terrified when she sees you know, well, she's under, she's, she's been fasting and praying for three days. <laughs> One, just a little week maybe. And then, you know, she sees him and she gets all nervous and faints there. But it causes him to respond in a, in a more positive way than he perhaps would have. And so, finally he says, what do you want? And she says, well, let's, let's, let's have a meal together. Let's, 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 let's do it over, over lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Please bring Haman with you. Ooh. So, they meet, don't they? They have lunch. And then, you know, Hasweirus, you know, there's nothing like, they call this the salt principle, right? You sprinkle a little salt and you make somebody thirsty to, to hear more. That's considered the salt process here. So she doesn't put it all out there. She says, well, come and have lunch. If it pleases my Lord, come and have lunch again with me tomorrow. Again, lessons in in our words and how to prepare the table for tomorrow. And so she says, come on, come back again tomorrow. And he, so, you know, now the king is like, what's going on here? There's that, that thirst is coming. All right. Does she sprinkle some salt and he's getting thirsty? What is this? I got to know what's going on. You know, and after two or three times, finally, she feels comfortable enough to say, well, I've got to tell you something. There's a plot going on in the city and in your land to do away with all of my people. And she identifies herself. And Haman, of course, up to this point, he's thinking he's going to be the next ruler of the land. And now, whoops, tables get flipped. The king gets enraged now, okay? Now she's, she's really set the stage. And he walks right into it. And you know what I'm saying? But, but God gave her wisdom. He gets enraged when he hears this. And he says, who, who, who's doing such a thing? And she says, this wicked, he, she, he's at the table. This took a lot of courage. She says, this wicked man, Haman, 
the king is just furious. He gets up and he, he walks around and he walks out on the balcony and back. Meanwhile, Haman throws himself down. At, you know, they laid on, they reclined like on, on couches and he throws himself down on Esther's uh, couch and like, no, save me, save me. And when the king comes back in, there she, there he is like uh, throwing himself at her and that enraged him even more. And so uh, one of the servants who probably didn't like Haman either, says, well, he already made the gallows ready for Mordecai, so uh, they're, they're, they're already ready. Um, you can just hang him. <laughs> and so he was done in as a result. But it was through prayer and fasting, through preparing the way, setting the table, as I like to say. You know, when I like to have people in my home, and I like to make the table look nice and prepare things nice as most of us as women do and we set the table we we prepare the food we depending on the occasion it's either fancy or less fancy or or whatever and that we do that with our words too okay she was setting the table laying out the nice napkins the silverware the gold the, the whole thing the whole nine yards and then she was coming in for the kill <laughs> so to speak but she didn't draw back she didn't hold back she spoke what God had given her to speak as she had prayed and fasted, God had given her wisdom. And so we learn, we can learn so much from this story that there's a time when we need to speak, when the, when the, when there's wickedness, when there's unrighteousness, when there's sin in the camp, when this was, this was a wicked plot that was being, all of the Jewish people were to be annihilated here, and this was not a good thing. And so, she rose up and God spared the people. Now, they couldn't change the law because it had been written, the law of the Medes and Persians, you know, it's forever and ever. So what they did was, um, I think Mordecai even got to help. They had, they had to write a new law that said that all of the Jews on that day, even though Haman had written that law that they could be killed, that they could all fight and protect themselves. And of course, they were pretty vicious people, so they all, you know, banded together and nobody was like, they're gonna, uh, mess with them because, you know, <laughs> All of this going on, and so the Lord saved them through Esther. Again, it wasn't just God sending lightning bolts out of the sky. It was through people speaking, through the words that Esther, you understand? Through Mordecai saying to Esther, you got to do this. To Esther praying and having the courage to say the things that God wanted her to say. And so we have to learn. That God uses us in situations and in, and in and in situations where where evil is taking over or stuff needs to be said, and and this is not the part that any of us like. We don't want to have to say the hard stuff and say the things that need saying um, to bring about victory. And sometimes that's that's the only way to get us to move forward and to get us to where God wants us to be. And so thank God Esther had the courage. And may we too have the courage to speak when God wants us to speak. And we need to know the difference between when God, there's times when God says, nope, don't say anything. Just let it be. Wow. That takes a lot of courage too. Sometimes that takes, that's even harder not to speak when we think we know what needs saying. And then there's the flip side, which is don't just sit and be still when something really needs to be said. And you know, it's been said, if the righteous are silent and do nothing, then evil prevails. And so there is certainly a time to speak and to speak up. 
And in our country, our country needs godly people to speak up and to say the truth of God's word. We need it desperately in our world. And so we don't want to make ourselves odious on the one hand and speak when we shouldn't, but we don't want to not speak when we're supposed to either. And so we need the power of the Holy Spirit, don't we? We need to keep getting filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. They didn't yet have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them and different ones at different times uh, for special reasons. But we have the infilling of the Holy Spirit available to us 24-7 to lead us and guide us and stir us when we're supposed to speak and put the clamp on when we're not supposed to. And, and we have this advantage. And so we need to get more and more filled and be before the Lord every day. Lord, today, fill me more mightily with the power of the Holy Spirit that I will be uh, ready in season, out of season. I will speak when I should, not when I don't. And God will be able to use us. It's a learning process. We don't always do it perfectly, but that doesn't mean we quit either. We just keep on saying, okay, Lord, sorry, I didn't do that good. Um, I need to learn to do that better. And with your help, I'm going to learn to do that better. And he will help us. So praise God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word, which instructs us and guides us and teaches us and surrounds us, hedges up our way. Help us to learn from it, Lord, to learn all that you would have us learn, that we will walk in wisdom to those who are within and without, Lord, and that we, our lives, will truly be the salt of the earth and that we will bring life where life is needed and that we will be a righteous influence in the world around us. Teach us, Lord. Teach us, Holy Spirit. May we walk with thee in white. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.